Love you. I am Chris Charles, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the fantasy headliners. Welcome back to the show. Back again with my guy, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? What's going on, buddy? You know, just just back again with another fire week of NFL content. And it's, it's crazy. This is the last month that we will not have any NFL anything for the next foreseeable future. Like starting next month, baby, we got preseason. Oh, it is glorious. I love it, man. It's going to be a nonstop football college NFL. You know, I love it. This is, you know, but this, it, it, I, I love it. I, there's nothing else I can say. I just I love every ounce of it. It's amazing because we, you know, in the offseason, we talk about, you know, a whole bunch of speculation, what may happen, what may not happen. And, you know, there's been some rumblings out of camp so far. But once preseason hits in just a few weeks, that's when we're really going to be able to kind of file things down and to finalize our rankings and really have a clear picture of what's going to happen come the 2021 season. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're, we, uh, we're all drafted in the Scott Fishbowl right now, man. It's been kind of funny. Everyone's sniping each other and trying to get their teams. I still like my team, but I mean, we'll see where it goes. We're only in the sixth round. I think some of the Kyle's team, I think, was like, what? They're still in like the third round, man. They're doing like eight hours per pick right now. It's pretty harsh over there. Yeah. And also the fact that somebody in his division took Austin Eckler at the 105 pick oh. as the RB2. The second overall running back was... Austin Eckler. Wow. Wow. That is just ridiculous, man. I, I don't know. I can't support that whatsoever. We do got some football to discuss, Chris. You want to talk some football? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's why, that, that's, that's, that's why we're here. I know. I think we should because this is a big one, man. So remember to Mary and Terry. If you guys are familiar with Headliner you, <laughs> I did a sleeper show on uh, wide receivers because the wide receiver class was so loaded. And this guy was flying under the radar for most, I mean, outside of the guys who really follow it. But I mean, Tamarian Terry, to me, was this guy. I, I was calling him a baby Terrell Owens, like a, a lesser man's Terrell Owens. He had the ability. He had the size. He had the wheels, the hands, like everything was so nice. And the potential was there. This man, I don't know what he's doing, man. So apparently he is now released by the Seattle Seahawks. He was an undrafted rookie free agent. He gets cut by the Seahawks because, if you guys did not see, he is going for felony murder charges. I mean, you know, it's not like stealing a candy bar from the store. Um, apparently a gang-related uh, mass shooting in Georgia in 2018. So funny enough, this man fl uh, slid under the radar for all these years, and now he gets popped on this murder charge. How the hell, that's my question, how the hell do you slip under the radar on a mass shooting for this long while you're playing football, man? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. So either he has a fall guy or he has people in that gang that are covering up for him. Mm. But this isn't like James Winston stealing crab legs. This is this is serious business. This is somebody who may not play football again. James Winston stole crab legs. Yeah. When did he steal crab legs? I missed that. <laughs> but he doesn't make enough money. He's got to steal crab legs. This was this was like his his what, like junior year or at uh, at Florida State. There was this big thing where he uh, he got caught stealing crab legs from some grocery store. And and it was funny because he pretty much mocked that whole situation on draft day. He was at home with his family. And when he got drafted, number one overall in front of him was a huge plate of crab legs. <laughs> so he was just was trolling. <laughs> I don't know, but he was trolling everybody with these wow. crab legs. Where the hell was I, man? I don't see <laughs> Jameis Winston jacking crab legs, man. Nope. 
dude, what are you guys doing? But anyway, to Mary and Terry, I mean, so long, man. Sorry about your luck, because if you are uh, one of these guys going in there, I don't feel sorry for you whatsoever, because that's some nasty stuff. But I had to bring it up because it makes me upset. Uh, He was on my radar and now he is no longer and I cannot support the man. So we will move on. I mean, the NCAA is making some waves. I know we typically talk about uh, the National Football League on this show, but I mean, this is a big one. It's making a lot of news. We we had a discussion about this, Chris, and I mean, I wanted to get your thoughts because, I mean, we're, we're pretty much on the same opinion and wavelength when it comes to this topic. And this is about players making money now, uh, allowed to make money now off their own brand name and likeness. Because, I mean, okay, so everything has been... For how long? The the argument has, has been, you know, colleges make billions of dollars and, and you know, these players are the product essentially mm-hmm. on the field making this money for these colleges. And okay, I, I can't make the, or I, I can't hate the argument. And, and my stance previous to a lot of this, I mean, we kind of had this conversation. You kind of convinced me a little bit as well. And it was my stance before was these guys are getting a scholarship to go to school. And, and it's, it's more than likely they're coming out of, uh, I don't want to say for everybody, but a lot of these guys come out of the situation, poor situations, you know, rough situations. They mm-hmm. come to a school free scholarship because their athletic ability, you know, is, is that good. And, and I'm saying, you know, if they're getting the scholarship, they're getting a free education, they're getting free room and board, you know, that's kind of the trade-off. And then I know we were talking, you're saying, well, you know, they are still the product and we, we, we chopped it up a little bit. And I kind of agreed after saying, you know, I don't hate the fact that they're going to get some compensation or should get compensation. But I mean, how are you seeing this right now? And then I'll follow up because I mean, this is a big topic right now. So I, I like the fact that the NCAA is not paying these players. All right. I think that they are getting a scholarship and and a lot of these players that are playing college sports, not all of them are on scholarship. All right. Mm. So let's, I want to, I want to make that clear first. And so say they're getting a scholarship, you know, they're getting not paid to go to school, but they're not paying for their tuition, but where's the rest of the money coming from? You know, how are they paying for, for books? How are they paying for meals? You know um, how do they have spending money? You know? Yeah. They're, they're 20 something year old kids. They're going to want to go out. They're going to want to go to the movies or if they are 21, 22, go to the bars. So how are they getting that extra money? Some of them do have work programs through the school. I completely understand that. But with this new um, NIL you know, program, the NCAA is not going to be paying these players. What they're allowing the players to do is to make money off of their own name, their own likeness, which is what the NCAA has been doing forever. Mm. And it wasn't really brought to light until the O'Bannon brothers did it at UCLA basketball when they really kind of brought that to the forefront. Because I remember playing, you know, NCAA football, all the March Madness basketball games, and you had the correct height, weight, and player number for these certain players, but you just had different names. Mm-hmm. And they were using their likenesses in all of these games and all these products. So what the NCAA is now allowing these guys to do is to go out and get sponsorships through other companies and make money that way. And the day that they allowed that to happen, pretty much by midnight when that happened, a dozen or mm-hmm. so or more players went out and got these promotions. Um, for example, Auburn quarterback Bo Nix at midnight, after midnight, after his uh, the, the endorsement went through, he announced that he signed an endorsement with Milo's Sweet Tea. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, other players are going out selling clothing with their names and their 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 photos on them. Um, there are other com- other players out there right now who are. Um, getting money through playing music. Uh, I saw that on a tweet from Will Ulmer, um, who is a, I believe he's an offensive lineman. And now the NCAA will allow it. 
he's playing live shows as a musician in the off season and getting paid to do so. Mm -hmm. So it's opening up different opportunities for these players to still make money, but it's not the NCAA that's paying them. So it's not like a pay for play kind of a thing. They're just able to capitalize, you know, with them getting paid instead of the NCAA getting paid. Yeah. And I mean, I saw Spencer Rattler went to a chicken stop and he got uh, uh, some sponsors there as well. I mean, so guys are actually doing it uh, like right away. And I mean, I don't hate it. I think it's a positive. I really do. Here's the thing that member I brought up before that was because uh, mm-hmm. I had to play devil's advocate. I mean, I have to because we, we see this go down the wrong way. How many times for pro players? I mean, the 30 for 30 ESPN did so many years back on those players yeah. who were who were broke. And I mean, it was a great uh, 30 for 30. 30 and Andre Risen and Bernie Kozar uh, stick out the most. And I mean, for me from that show and Risen was saying how many times he's like, I went to a, a club that night, brought 50 grand cash, had his whole entourage. And by the end of the night, he's, he's in some hotel. He doesn't even remember how the hell he got there. And his cash is strewn all over the damn hotel room. He's got like five grand sitting in his pocket. He doesn't even know where his money went. And, and we're talking about understanding how to, um, save your money, how to properly spend your money, whatever the case may be, because these guys are young individuals and they, they, most of them don't come from heavy means. So, I mean, here's the thing where now what do they educate these guys on how to spend and not spend their money properly? Because I mean, if I'm looking at it and a lot of people are going to say, Chris, what the hell is that to you, man? That's not your money. And, and we're looking at it from the same perspective. I mean, if we're, if we're human beings, we're looking out and saying, you know, that sucks when you see a guy fail in the NFL because he's got so many issues and he can't get it done. It's not just the, you know, you're, you're thinking about the human factor here and that's kind of where I'm going. These guys are anywhere from 18 to, to 24 before they get into the NFL. And now they're making money while they're going to school, while they're, while they're playing football. I mean, unless they got somebody in their corner, that's really going to step up and tell them, you know, because look at Bernie Kosar, his dad and his or his stepdad, I believe it was, or his dad. I can't remember. It was it was family, though. And they basically robbed him and their own family member blind. And, and Bernie Kosar became like chapter 11 bankruptcy because of this stuff. So, I mean, this stuff is very, very real. And then, you know, the 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 protection that these college players got at the beginning because of the fact that they weren't making money. Now these guys are going to start coming out of the woodwork, man, attacking these guys for their cash. I, I don't know, man. That's kind of one of the things that I fear with this. And I mean, I'm not trying to say that the, the players shouldn't be getting paid, but this is one of the dynamics that's going to come out of this. I almost wonder if this is a good thing because maybe this will help to teach some of these young kids how to manage their money. Mm. You know, like if, if they are making, getting these endorsement deals and they blow all their cash in, in a year or two, you know, maybe then if they do end up going to the NFL, they're like, okay, well, I made mistakes A, B, and C in college. I need to be smarter about it because I'm making even more money now in the NFL. Yeah, and it's a great point. I mean, I like how you flip it on the positive. And we haven't seen yet one of those like big, like wait till like Oregon or something, because I mean, they're they're loaded with Nike anyway. So all of a sudden they get a, a five-star recruit. They're going to give an endorsement through Nike through Oregon. This is the other problem that I have, because now does this... Uh, uh, make it unfair when it comes to recruiting college players, because I mean, already it's unfair. You got everyone going to Alabama, LSU, et cetera. Now, all of a sudden I can say, you got the boosters coming out saying, Hey, you go and uh, play for my alma mater and I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars to do that. And what are they going to say? They can't say anything because now the boosters can be 
quote unquote uh, sponsors or endorsers of these players. I mean, I haven't seen any language in legal uh, document that says that that can't happen. And then on top of that, you got state by state legislature that's saying that they can manage every single state by state and it's going to be all very different. So whatever state finds the loophole for the betterment of their team, this is going to be, these are the sticky things that I was worried about. And I mean, we have no idea how this is going to pan out because nobody really understands the, the landscape just yet. But I mean, I'm just, I'm only playing the devil's advocate, but I mean, there's a lot of worry for me right now. And I completely understand. I mean, they're, these are young kids, you know, who have, for the most part, most of these kids haven't seen this kind of money that they might be getting from certain endorsements. And JJ Reddick put out a really funny tweet, you know, when he found out about this rule, he said, you know, cause he was a star player at Duke and I'm sure that he was getting some kind of money under the table from some people, mm-hmm. but he went out and he tweeted out. He said, you know, if this happened back when I was at Duke, I would have blown all my money on Natty light and, and different colored polos you know, with, with a little parentheses that said polar, you know, collars popped, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I mean, well, here you go. So now, I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I just wanted to bring it up because, I mean, I think it's very interesting. And I mean, the, the last one I want to bring up on this, it was the motivation factor. I mean, OK, does does money motivate the person more? I mean, because it's not there's not a hundred thousand Tom Brady's out there that, you know, are going to play regardless because they want to be great. I mean, a lot of these guys are doing it for a means to an end. They want to get those millions of dollars to have that financial security. And then mm-hmm. the motivation goes away. Is that a fear? Yeah. And I mean, we haven't seen it yet when it comes to the endorsement being huge millions of dollars i mean i don't know what's what spencer rattler signed with the chicken company i mean but it, you know a couple hundred thousand maybe who knows i mean i didn't see any reports i don't think they're dropping those numbers yet but if it does get into the millions i mean does this drop the motivation for some of these college players to say yeah what do i need the nfl for you know i've already made this money i think for, for some of those players that don't want to be great then yeah i can absolutely see that that scenario you know but i think this will certainly help to kind of you know, show that the cream rises, or, you know, the cream rises to the top. And I think it'll start to separate those elite talented players that really do want to be in the league for the right reasons, as opposed to those who are just in it for the money and they're just in it for a weekly paycheck. So I think, I think this kind of a deal could certainly start to weed out some of those guys. Cream to the top. I like it. I like it, but we'll put that one to bed because it's going to just keep coming. We're going to see lots of stuff coming from this and it's exciting stuff, man. Good for the players. I am on that side for sure. I did see this headline, Chris. I mean, we, we gotta, this is the part of time of the year. Headlines are, are coming fast and furious and it's, I'm not talking about the movie, but I mean, here we go. Ricky Williams. You see this one today? I did not see this one today. Oh, this is a good one, man. He said, had the NFL been more accepting of marijuana when he played, Ricky Williams believes he could have been in Canton. And I don't think he's wrong. I think that is a, a very legitimate complaint that he has because how many years did he have to sit? He, he was suspended for what? Two, no, one year at least. Uh, so he was, so he was suspended in 20, uh, sorry, 2006. He, he retired a couple years before that in 2004. That's right. Um, that's because he wanted to smoke weed. He wanted to go right. and that's what he was doing. Yeah. And he was only 26 years old or 27 years old when he retired because he just, he wanted to smoke weed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was after that season that he was never the same after that 2003 season, he started a total of 13 games in like six or seven seasons. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the numbers are there, man. I'm looking this up right now. He's 10,000 yards, 
66 touchdowns. I mean, if, if, and his productivity, I mean, New Orleans, it started obviously. And then when he came to Miami, they, they absolutely uh, abused his body and gave him no help. And I mean, even then, I mean, 10,000 yards in what, 10 seasons, that's not bad for a running back who was here and there smoking the Chiba and, you know, doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. But do you think he should have been in Ken? Cause I think there's, there's a legitimate uh, argument to be had. If he would have had a whole season, he could have just been smoking the bud. Oh, if he, if, if he didn't retire and the league wasn't so hard on marijuana, you would have seen him in, I would say the top 20 in rushing yards. And then you definitely would have seen him closer to like, um, probably top 20 again in rushing touchdowns. So absolutely. I think he should have been in Canton where his numbers are right now, obviously not, but yeah, if he had not retired or been suspended and he was able to play those seasons, you know, and continue that production throughout the, the towards the end of his career, hall of famer. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And do you remember his draft day, man, when uh, Mike Dick had traded away the entire new Orleans Saints draft board for Ricky Williams? I do. And then I remember the Sports Illustrator ESPN, uh, the magazine cover of uh, of Ricky Williams wearing a dress with Mike Ditka, and, uh, yeah, and, and Mike married. Ditka there. Yep. They're getting married because oh, literally, oh, he did. He married Rick, Ricky Williams and just gave away the farm, gave the farm away, man. He set up that team for disaster. But I mean, it was Ricky and he was good, man. He was he was a phenomenal product. Oh, yeah. He was good stuff. I just thought that one was kind of funny, man. But I mean, here we go. The reports, man, they're just coming in. This one was interesting to me. Reports suggest that the Browns will put more emphasis on Baker Mayfield's plate this season because they know he can handle it. That scares me, Chris. And and when the minute I read that, I was like, oh, I really don't like it. Because when we saw what Kevin Stefanski did last season, he kind of dialed it back for Baker. Let the run game be the emphasis of this team, the identity of this team. Now they've built the defense. Man, this has to be coach speak at this point to me. It has to be. I think so. Um, but then when I go ahead and I look at the numbers and I look what he did over the last, you know, four or five games of the season his numbers really did improve. You know, he was throwing for over 300 yards. He was throwing, you know, multiple touchdown games, which he did in the beginning of the season. The turnovers certainly lessened um, mm. towards the end of the year. And we saw him be that guy. You know, it was pretty much from that Baltimore game on where I saw him be that guy that could take over a football game and not just be a game manager, but actually be the reason why his team was in football games. Um, and so that's why I do think that Baker Mayfield could be that guy. He's got Odell Beckham coming back. You know, he's got a phenomenal offense. It could be coach speak, but I really do think that Baker's ready to take that next step and really show that he's the leader of this team. So what is the, the next step for Baker? Here's, here's my conundrum. When we're talking about Baker Mayfield and the next step, I mean, what is it? Last season, I mean, you, you got the numbers in front of you. What was last season's numbers? 30, what was it? 3,563 yards. Mm-hmm. 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Okay, so here we go. 26, his his rookie year, he threw more. But see, he threw the same amount of passes in his rookie year than he did last year, and they're 11-5. and five. I get it. It's a better coaching staff. It's a better overall team. But, I mean, what's more? Is he going to go over 500 attempts? Obviously, they're saying more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is are we expecting, what, 4,200, 4,300 passing yards from Baker Mayfield this year? I think closer to 4,000 is, is more realistic. I think, I think I would expect 4,000 yards, maybe, maybe 3,800 yards and 30 touchdown passes. I think that's kind of more where I'm looking at with him. Um, because obviously the return of Odell Beckham isn't going to increase that a ton because instead of somebody like Rashard Higgins, you know, or people's Jones getting the passes, it's going to be Odell. 
they still have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the best running back duo in football. So if they're smart, they're going to continue to focus on the run. Um, but I just, I do think Baker is going to continue to, you know, grow and become a better NFL quarterback from weeks 12 through 17 last week. He was the QB seven. He finished the entire season as a QB 17, but that the end of the stretch season, he was the QB seven in fantasy. And I think he absolutely could finish again and should finish again this year as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Oh, interesting, man. Cause he's sitting there in the fishbowl, man. Maybe I should grab Baker instead of big Ben. Eh? Well, if, I mean, if you, if you do just hope that none of your division mates are listening to this uh, when it drops, just turn it off, turn it. I mean, stay on, stay on. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's interesting to me because I mean, when you look at the sacks, the sacks are huge for me. And we mm. knew, we knew this uh, because the, the Browns, they upped that offensive line last year. And, and look from the year over year, it was what 40 and then 26 sacks. And, and that is huge. And then how many times is the play action rollout the best friend for Baker Mayfield and this offense? So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still tempering my expectations. I mean, I, I get it. I, I like Baker. I don't, I don't dislike him. I don't like, I dislike the game. I like how the Browns are built, but I got a, I got a tough time with this one, man. I can't even see it. I mean, I, I I'm with you though. The, the last seven games, I love the last five for the next, uh, next year's fantasy football season uh, to be a, a big staple marker. But I mean, I'm scared. I'm terrified. I don't know why. I'm, I'm going to say Baker Mayfield is a QB one top 12 fantasy quarterback in 2021. Hot take, hot take by Big Ram. And it's not really a hot take, but whatever. But you know what is a hot take with Big Ram, or at least a nasty take, Ooh, yeah. are my Dynasty videos that come out every Monday over on Patreon for all of our MVP members. Check that out, man. That's what we're doing. If you guys don't know, Patreon, man. Fantasy Headliners Patreon, we are going strictly dynasty content man so definitely go check that out subscribe and and you will you won't regret it man we got some good video content over there for you guys isn't that right yeah we got video we got written we got we got kennedy we got Chouse, we got kane ethan we got joel we got the whole crew providing awesome awesome dynasty content all week long throughout the off season all week all week man no lie i I was there I seen it. <laughs> You're going to be saying, take my money. Damn it. Just take it. Next one I got, man. This one is a good one. And I love this topic so much because we've been talking this man up for so long. And I wouldn't, I've been waiting, Chris. I, I've been, I've been sitting here patiently waiting. That's why I haven't been poking the bear. I was about to, if we, if this was in August, I would have been poking the bear and I would have been like, where the hell is my damn endorsement already? Mr. Reich, where is it, man? <laughs> because I don't see it. You haven't been given it. But he gives the endorsement today, man. He endorses Jonathan Taylor as the main running back, and he has earned it. He has earned the right to be the main guy. That's his quote. He has earned the right to be the main guy in this Colts backfield. Chris, I almost fell over with excitement because, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is our boy. We've been talking him up for God knows how long. Mm -hmm. and This is just music to my ears, man. So this right here, and again, is it, is it coach speak? Who knows? But I think Jonathan Taylor showed and proved that he should be the, the main guy in, in Indy. Yes, you still have Naheem Hines, who's going to be coming out of the backfield on third down, passing situations, sure. They re-signed Marlon Mack to a one-year deal, probably just for insurance purposes, to be honest with you, because they gave the guy like RB2, RB3 kind of money for that one-year deal. My question for you, though, Chaus, is yeah. if you have a top five pick, I mean, say, say CMC, Dalvin Cook, and Henry are off the board. Are you taking JT over guys like Kamara, Zeke, and Barkley? 
Barkley's the tough one for me. I'll take him over Zeke. I'll take him over uh, Camara, but I Barkley's still a tough one. I, so if, if Barkley, Barkley and JT are there at 104, where I'm are you str- going? I'm stressing. I'm, I'm legit Same. stressing. Same. Yeah, I, the sweat is coming down. I mean, you know what it is about Barkley is that I think he is uh, better than Jonathan Taylor overall. Uh, Skill set, elite, blah, blah, blah. I think it is Barkley still. Is, and it's it's. I don't even think it's that close. I think Barkley is the, the more elite, uh, talented player. But I yeah. mean, uh, the injuries, the injuries, man. How can we trust Barkley right now? I am. I have him in a keeper league, and I'm scared to death. And I'm like, I, I said it last year. I'm like, that's it. I'm cutting his ass. He's no longer on my team. And I go back. I remember, and I, I remember that conversation. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I mean, I go back to my team this year, and I'm like, yeah, he still looks good over there. You know, I, I'm going to give him one more year. One more year. This is what he's doing to me. He's giving me a heart attack, and I don't even know it, man. If it if it's dynasty, I'm going. If it's dynasty, I'm probably maybe going JT over Saquon. Redraft though, I'm probably still sticking with with Saquon, but it's super close for me. Um, like, and and I say that just because I think Saquon is built differently, you know, than a lot of these other running backs coming off of a major injury. I'm not going to use the comparison to Adrian Peterson and what he did coming back from an ACL. But with that Giants offense, this is like a make or break season for this offense, specifically Daniel Jones. And I think Barkley could be a huge beneficiary from that. So I think for me, if, if I have the, that 104 pick, I'm probably leaning Barkley, but it's by a hair. Yeah, it's such a tough one. I mean, oh, man, I hate this question. I don't like it. I really don't like it. And the funny thing is, I think I had one very close to that in Dynasty games later on. But I mean, ah, you're making me think, man. You're making me think. I, I really think I still got to go Barkley here. I got to give him one more year. And, and if, yeah. he, if he shits the bed again when it comes to being injured and finding his way in the medical room, maybe it'll be too late for me to get JT shares, but I mean, I, I got to give him one more chance. I have no choice. Nope. I'm with you, but he gave the endorsement Frank Reich. And I love gave. the endorsement. I, I like that. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is what we wanted to see and hear. And we finally have it. Thank you. Your page, which is great because with that endorsement of, of JT, I mean, in his rookie season, he finished in half PP, half point PPR leagues as the number six overall uh, running back and what he did towards the end of the season when he really was starting to get like the majority of the of the workload mm-hmm. from weeks 11 through 17 he was the rb3 yeah. like the guy was averaging 23 half ppr points per game and, and we were complaining early on because it was it was weird it was like he just wasn't seeing the hole he was always running into his freaking lineman how many times we had that conversation we're like would you stop running into the back of your lineman dude just bounce that shit out and then he finally learned he started kind of slipping the gap and he started mm-hmm. finding these holes and then that's when he started taking off and everything was just beautiful after that i remember the first game so marlon Mack goes out with the achilles injury mm. and and I'm watching the game at, I'm at Jake's house. I'm watching the game and, and he and I just like our eyes light up. We're like, Oh, it's JT time. And like, you know, you, Kyle and I, and, and Jake, we're in the group chat. We're like freaking out and we're watching JT run and Jake and I are looking at each other. We're like, this can, this, does he have like James Winston vision? Like what's going on with this guy? Like, does he need LASIK? <laughs> and, and it finally, what it was is just, it, I think he just had to catch up to the actual speed of the NFL and he had to slow things down for himself. And once he did, 
he looked like he, I mean, he looked like an absolute stud towards the end of the year because that vision, those cuts he was making, the decisions that he was making were so much different than what he was doing the first few, few weeks of the season itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it was, it was a breath of fresh air because typically we see a rookie hit the rookie wall and he actually had the rookie wall early. I mean, what did he have? His first two games looked pretty good. And then it was like, from then on to like week nine, 10, it was like, what are you doing, bro? Like, give me some plays here. And then he just burst through that wall and he burst through the wall and he broke all the bricks. And I love it because he is one of my favorites. But you know what? We'll talk about your Patriots and one of your favorites because he's making some noise today. Mr. Nikhil Harry. (laughs) Why does he have to be one of my favorites? Because you're a Patriots fan. And I'm just going to say it because he sucks and he wants out of New England. I'm just joking. He doesn't suck. I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe he does suck. But does he suck, man? (laughs) He sucks. I'm sorry. He and you know, sucks. And and I know we didn't just do this to start off the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a mid show. Are you a moron? Okay. And I am a moron because at the beginning of last season, it was like two weeks before the season started. I went out and I got a bunch of new Patriots jerseys. I got myself a Cam Cam Newton, Stefan Gilmore, and <laughs> and Keel Harry jerseys. Oh, and a, a Julian Edelman. One of those one of those four jerseys was a really nice decision. Okay. Out of those four players, by the end of this season, none of them may be a New England Patriot. So I could be just sitting on those jerseys because Gilmore could be gone without a contract extension. And Kill Harry wants to be, he's been you know requesting a trade because he's probably not going to make the 53-man roster. Mm-hmm. And Cam Newton, his arm may fall off after week three. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm your buddy, man. You're, you're like my brother from another mother. And I didn't want to say anything when you bought that cam jersey. You were so excited. You were like, you were I like, really was. He was, man. He was like a kid in a candy store. He's like, yes, I got my cam jersey. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh, bro, that's just a bad buy, man. What are you doing? You just wasted a hundred dollars. What are you doing? What are you doing, dude? Oh, but you know what? Nikhil Harry, man, former pick number 32 in the uh, overall uh, in the 2019 NFL draft. What is your Patriots problem in drafting wide receivers, man? You guys can't get this right to save your life at all. Yeah. And because of that, so a buddy of mine um, sent me an, an Instagram DM and he's like, hey, you, uh, you know what receivers you could have had instead of an Nikhil Harry? And I was like, no, I already, I already know the names. He goes, yeah, but let me give you a visual. And so he sent me a list of the actual players. And this is in the order that they were drafted, not the order like of where I would take them, but this is the order they were drafted in after Nikhil Harry. Debo Samuel was pick 36. AJ Brown was pick 51. Nicole Hardman, 56. DK Metcalf, 64. And Scary Terry, 76. Those are all of the options the Patriots had, but they decided, you know what? Nah, screw it. We're going to go with the guy who could be a red zone threat, but can't create separation for the life of him. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to go with motherfucking Inkiel Harry at 32. <laughs> and he can't read. He can't run routes. He can't read the playbook. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. I mean, I even remember Twitter, man. Twitter was good, like going ablaze for Nikhil Harry. And I, I just didn't see it. And, and this is why you guys got to go to headliner you, because, you know, I'm not wrong a lot, man. I mean, I'm not 100 percent, but I mean, Nikhil Harry was not on my list. I was like, what do you guys see in this receiver just because he's a big guy and he can mm-hmm. run pretty fast? Like, OK, like, great. You know what it is with Nikhil Harry? And I was a complete, you know, at fault for this too. Um, I was in love with him because I was like, oh, he's a big body, you know, red zone threat. He can make the contested catches. 
And yeah, he had, but what I didn't do was I didn't watch the film. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't a film watcher back then. And I didn't realize that he had to make those contested catches because the dude couldn't create separation. So he had to use his body to go up and make those tough catches. If he could create separation, not only would he be able to make the easy catches, but his yards after catch could have been phenomenal. And, and it's weird because, you know, there was a couple wide receivers. It's like the A.J. Brown effect. I mean, or uh, Antonio Brown effect. He pushes off even when he doesn't get the separation. Antonio was awesome in both categories. He can mm-hmm. he can speed past you. His routes could get his separation. But when the when the defensive back was legit on him, even on those like nine routes on the even on the seven posts, you know, you, you would see Antonio Brown. This was his his staple of his game when on deep passes from Big Ben is that he would push off just enough so the arm wasn't fully extended so he wouldn't draw the flag. And and the the is if as soon as you're still not like halfway extended and you're pushing off just to gain that separation, the ref will not call that every time. And Antonio does that so well. I, I can't understand why a guy like Nikhil Harry could not figure that out. I mean, if you don't have the wheels or the route running or the agility to get separation, why aren't you learning that skill? I mean, the, the defensive backs are right there. You play against Steph Gilmore every day in practice. He should be telling you, dude push off my hip a little bit. So you create that one, like half yard of separation so you can get the ball. Like what is going on in Nikhil Harry's mind, man? You, I mean, you're the Pats guy. What the hell is his problem? And it's weird because you see all these, you know, uh, you know, his Instagram and all of his, his social media saying how he's, you know, this is the year, this is the year. It's like, it's almost like watching Odell Beckham's like social media, like, Oh, this is the year I'm, you know, I'm built different. I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, yeah, but you're, you're still the same player. Like nothing has changed. And within kill Harry, like the scary part is, is at one point he was the Patriots wide receiver one, or he was mm-hmm. supposed to be their wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And now where he's requested, like you don't demand a trade when a team is not even going to give up a seventh round pick for you. Like I guarantee you, he's going to get cut. He's going to hit waivers and then he can you know go to whatever team he wants, but he, there's no trade value for him right now. There's no market for kill Harry. And you know what's sad is that he's probably he'll get picked up. I mean, there's no question he'll get picked up. So someone will absolutely pick him up, but I don't yeah. think anyone's going to trade for him. No, no one will trade for him. I agree. And it's good, but he's turning out to be like Laqua, uh, Treadwell, uh, Laquan Treadwell. I oh, mean, Laquan like, Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell. I, I had the biggest man crush on him. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same yep. type of situation. It just the game just didn't translate, and this happens all the time. I mean, you can have all the you know the film, you can have all the projections you want, but sometimes the game just does not translate. And I just have no understanding, especially for talented guys like Nikhil Harry's a talented guy. I'm uh, you know I'm busting his chops and busting his balls, but I mean it just did not translate, and I just I'm, I'm baffled by it. Like I legit am. You know who else it reminds me of? Like somebody who was had so much talent in college and it just didn't transfer over to uh, over to the NFL is when the Lions were on that huge kick of like drafting wide receivers and they took Mike Williams out of USC mm-hmm. and he just completely bombed. But he was somebody that had so much talent. He just couldn't put it together. And because of Mike Williams, they almost didn't draft Calvin. Remember how much uh, the GM got uh, Matt Millen? I think it was at that time. He got so Mm -hmm. much heat, man. They're like, you will not draft a wide receiver three years in a row, man. You will not do it. And he's like, man, it's Calvin. I got to, I got to. (laughs) And that's because in 2000, in 2003, they had two top 10 picks. They took Mm. Charles Rogers at number two. And then they took Roy Williams at number seven. Roy Williams turned out to be a phenomenal wide receiver, Charles Rogers, eh, okay. But then, you know, two years later, yeah, they take Mike Williams. Two years after that, they finally take Calvin Johnson. And like some of these teams just don't know how to draft certain positions. And when it comes to the New England Patriots, 
they don't know how to draft offensive skill position players with the exception of a handful of guys out there that they have taken, like obviously Tom Brady, uh, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, et cetera. But for the most part, they completely whiff on a lot of their offensive skill position draft picks. It's crazy. It, it truly is crazy. I mean, as good as Bill Belichick is, he's got to figure out his scouting room, man. I don't know what's going on in that room. But we'll move on, man. I mean, reports on this guy, man. This guy is a fan favorite of ours. I mean, Javante Williams, rookie running back for the Denver Broncos. Me and Chris did that scouting report a while back. I mean, this guy's a beast, and we know it. And it's just, you know, he kind of feel like he's flying under the radar in most circles. There's not a lot of chatter on him just yet. But, I mean, the reports and the rumors are right now suggesting, I think it was the beat writer in Denver saying that Javante will lead this Broncos backfield in attempts this season. And I, I can't hate it because I think it's going to happen, man. I love it because, I mean, as we said in the scouting report, I mean, this is a guy that can do a lot of different things on the football field. He has... He has the quickness, he has the speed, but he also has that just that like nasty streak to him too. Like he he finishes runs so hard and so aggressive. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and take the hit, you know, but he also has that speed and that agility to bounce it to the outside and kind of take that, you know, turn that corner as well. Melvin Gordon is, you know, he's he's getting up there in age. He's had some injuries. I would not be surprised if Williams does overtake this backfield, you know, week 12, week 13. Yeah, and it was a good point. I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but they said, you know, they're trying to figure out what they have in Denver because, I mean, the book is still out. The jury's still out on, on Drew Locke. We're, I'm not supportive of Locke anymore. I was trying. I thought, you know, he could have, mm. you know, if he fixed the footwork, I thought, you know, he could still. And there's part of me still wants to have a little belief, but, I mean, it's it's definitely on the downtrend for me with Drew Locke, but they're trying to figure out what they have in this, in this room all of a sudden. So if you have the running back, you obviously have wide receivers. You're trying to fix your O-line. The, the tight ends are good. Now it's just, what do you have in the running back room and what do you have in the quarterback room? And if Javante actually starts ripping off these runs, I mean, in the FBS last year, he was the leading running back over Najee Harris, yo, to break tackles and, and get yards after tackle. Like, that's how good Javante is. He is a damn bulldozer with speed and he has agility. It just, the full body of work is there. His only knock is he doesn't have that breakaway speed. Otherwise, he right. would have he would have likely gone ahead of uh, uh, Najee or Travis at the end. I, I just, I, that's just how it would have been. But I mean, in Denver, I could see nothing but right here. Even if they do start off the season 50-50, 60-40, Melvin to start. And, and as we get to like week six, if Javante's really Ripping off runs, man. I think um, poor Melvin's going to be finding himself a new team. And you could see Javante Williams, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but you could see Javante Williams finish the season as a top 24 fantasy running back. And as far as for Dynasty is concerned for me, he's a top 15 running back right now in Dynasty. I think he could even get to the top 15 this year in redraft, man. I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. I think, I think low-end RB2 is like his floor. Absolutely. Absolutely, yep. man. If Locke can even up his game, I think by like 40%, maybe that's a little high, even like 30%. If he gets it to that level where he's actually being a little bit more efficient with the ball, this will just open up the running back room and the lanes that much more. And Javante is going to have a good one, man. And I'm going to have Chubb all day long. Straight Chubb. Straight Chubb. Not just Chubb, but straight Chubb. Straight Chubb, yeah. But because it goes, it, goes, it goes straight. When you have a Chubb, it goes like straight. Oh, is that right? It doesn't it doesn't go crooked. I mean, some people you might want to go to the doctor and get that checked out. <laughs> now we're going off the rails again. But hey, whatever. Rumor has it, man. Speaking of running backs and running back rooms, rumor has it that the 49ers want to run the ball. Are you ready for this, man? Did you see this one? No. 
<laughs> Are you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared about what you're about to say. Prepare yourself because this number is pretty freaking high, man. And the, when, I, <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, whoa, man, Kyle, I don't know what you're smoking. Kyle Shanahan, that is. They want to run the ball 500 times plus this year. And I'm like, oh, holy oh God, I'm like, holy shit, man. Are you guys the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens now? Like, see, this is the thing, though. Is it is this for Trey Lance? Is this why they're saying this is, is because Trey Lance can run that ball? Jimmy G can't. I mean, I don't know. What am I thinking here, man? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, that's exactly kind of what I'm thinking here. Like, are they really planning on running that that many times? Because. Last year, there were three teams that ran the ball 500 times or more. The Ravens, the Titans, and the Patriots. Mm. The Patriots, the only reason why it was them is because of Cam Newton. Ravens, obviously, because of Lamar Jackson. The Titans, Derrick Henry. Um, the, the, the 49ers, yeah, they're going to have to up their running, their rushing attempts by like 70 to hit, to hit 500. And when you look at this running back you know, stable, what they have right now, Obviously, Jeffrey Wilson is out for a numerous number of weeks with his injury. So you've got Gallman, Mostert, uh, Eli Mitchell. You've got Trey Sermon. You have, and then, of course, Trey Lance. You have all these different options. I, first of all, I want nothing to do with the, the 49ers running backs this year in fantasy, at least in redraft. Um, but 500 carries? You don't want a piece that's so of that many. I and mean, that's what no, I'm saying. So now all these running backs are viable. Like, well, are they, though? Like, who's going to get all those touches? And do I really want to spend draft picks on somebody who may or may not be getting the touches as opposed to somebody who I know will get a, like a consecutive consistent workload. Here's your zero RB theory, man. So pick all your quarterbacks and wide receivers and tight ends and just pick every single 49er running back. That's 500. Yeah, but I want to, I want to win a fantasy league or or two this year, but I mean, it's 500, (laughs) 500 touches, man. Everyone's always telling me, Chris, man, we got to go volume. We got to go volume. Well, here's your freaking volume. I'm giving it to you on a platter. You don't want to take it. Do you, do you believe Kyle? Do you believe Kyle Shanahan that they were going to run the ball 500 plus times? This is my game. This is my game. I'm giving it to you on a platter. Do you want to take it or not? Good God. No, I want to send it back and ask for my money back. (laughs) Oh Christ. I think, you know what I, 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 it's gotta be because you know what it is. It's, it's the Trey Lance effect. And I, and I truly believe this is where this is going. He's kind of setting this, the, the stage and setting the tone for Trey Lance to be the guy after like week three or four. I really, even if they're winning, that that scares me. He's trying really hard to set the stage, man. And, and why do I say that? Because they had a flyer on it a couple days before this one saying that Brandon Ayuk and Trey Lance are, are building chemistry and the deep shot with Ayuk and Lance has been absolutely phenomenal. I don't, I don't want to see Trey Lance in 2021, to be honest with you. I really don't. I want him to, and I know it's tough because they took him so early. It took him number three overall. You don't want to, you know, not use your, your top five, top 10 pick, but I really do think Trey Lance is the exception where you let him sit for an entire season. I know Jimmy G's not the guy that you all, you definitely want him to learn from. Like he's not that mentor type, like, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I think Lance needs to sit, watch the speed of the game, learn what it's like at the next level. Cause he didn't play D one football. He did play D two at North Dakota state. So sit for a year and then come in for 2022 and be the absolute man I don't. I think the 49ers would be setting him up for failure if they did just throw him into the fire early in, in season one. And I mean, it's so hard to argue. I'm, I'm with you because he is raw and you don't want to mess with his confidence. You want to build that confidence kind of like they did with the Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. 
but 500 carries for this running back room. That's poor, so many. Poor Jimmy G, man. It's like this guy can't just, you know, nobody likes Jimmy G. Why? He's a nice guy, isn't he? He's a nice guy. Is he? Is I he? I don't know, man. He's dating I don't know. porn stars and strippers. I mean, he's got to be a nice guy. I mean, he, he's a guy in that in that aspect. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know him, so I'm just wondering. I'm going to take a quick victory lap here, man. I know it's early because the only reason why I'm doing this is because I had so much hatred on me for this one. There was so much, man. It was like, what are you talking about? He's not that good, and you don't know what you're talking about, Chris. And I said, fine, to hell with all of you. I'm going to show it when it comes out, and now it's already happening. And it's going to happen only if Aaron Rodgers, please, God, Aaron Rodgers, play some football in 2021 so you can validate my claims. Also, because my Scott Fishbowl team needs you to play. There I you took go. You really there, there's two reasons now. But for my selfish reason, for my victory lap, it's on Mr. Amari Rodgers. I've been saying and preaching this man up for months now. Basically, what? The minute that it was even the national championship and even before that, I'm like, man, mm-hmm. it's Amari Rodgers. He can play some ball. And everyone's like, no, he's not the wide receiver you want. And I said, listen, he is like Randall Cobb on steroids without taking steroids. Like, that's what you're looking at. And it's it's everything is already starting to come to fruition and Randall Cobb is making waves and they needed a secondary piece that could be that slot presence in green Bay to help out, you know, Devonte and company. And if Rogers plays Aaron Rodgers plays, I think Amari, man, he is going to make a damn good case to be in the running for the rookie of the year, man. Well, wow. You just said rookie of the year. I'm playing. That's too far. Okay, I just because see you how far this no, victory lap when, needed to go. Because when you said that, there you was had so a much hatred face. on. <laughs> you said that with a straight face, without even like a crack of a smile. So I was like, "This man's on crack." You know, this everyone was hating on me so bad. You see where you had to take this for me? God, you know, damn it, I'm out of here, man. No, no, no. You you were going on a, on a on a victory lap. Please, you're you're not done yet. You're like halfway through. Finish the lap. No, I'm good. I'm good. My, I'm still my, timing you. My lap is over, man. It, it was a oh. good lap. It was a good 40 time. And now I can breathe. It was good. No, that was that was great. I will say this, though. I was excited when when they that did when great. they took Amari Rogers. And I was not on Amari Rogers until you started talking him up. Like you started talking up Amari Rogers almost as much as you tweet about soccer on Twitter. Well, and that's no, a, man, that's a lot. It's Euro Cup, man. How can you hate the Euro Cup? It's, it's not my cup. It's It's not my cup. It's your cup. The Euro Cup, buddy. Oh, the Euro Cup. My bad. Get your head out your ass, man, and just, you know, get on board. We're talking about real football here. All right. And (laughs) and I'm I'm, I'm with you with Amari Amari Rodgers. I do think that, you know, if if Aaron Rodgers, if the other A Rodgers is playing for the Packers this year, I think Amari Rodgers could absolutely be that wide receiver, too, and that really nice compliment to Adams. I will say this. I think that also would help out Robert Tunyon because maybe that would take a little bit less coverage off of Tunyon and he wouldn't be so touchdown dependent and we would see more receptions, more targets, more yards for him. So I think it certainly could help spread out the offense a little bit more and take less pressure off the other guys. 
And I agree. And I think, you know what, it's, it's exactly what this offense needed. And I, I've said this before. I mean, this is not news that, you know, uh, the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb days where they were so extremely balanced. And now you got a running back like Aaron Jones, who, who adds to that. So now mm-hmm. you're even more multidimensional on offense and, and, and Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, he's just, he's just staying away. He didn't opt out though. You see that he, uh, we, we had that talk, I think on the last show where he could opt out for the 2022, uh, 2021 season and still get 18 million bucks. Uh, he wasn't on that list. So now it's either hold out or play for Mr. Aaron Rodgers, And I found that to be very interesting. And I think it's going to be play. I don't think he holds. I, I don't think he holds out. But I, don't that's think so I don't think so either. I think he's just standing his ground until the last point that he doesn't have any more ground until they start finding him big dollars. And then he'll come back. I think that's kind of where it's going to go. See, now I got myself all worked up because I did a victory lap. I said something stupid. And now, you know, I'm going to get chopped up for that one. Now, uh, Amari Rogers is not going to be the rookie there, but he might, he might. Yeah, but you, you, yeah. nope, you said it. There is now record proof. Damn it, you I'm going to have to edit that out, man. I'm you know what's going to be amazing, though, is if so, by some crazy reason he wins it, you can come back to this. Yeah. You can edit out the part where you said I was just joking, and you you can just yeah, exactly. tweet out the, the, the audio clip of Armari Rogers, rookie, of the, rookie year. of the year. And I'll be like, you see how smart I am? Why don't you pay attention to me more? See how it works, <laughs> man? I can, I can uh, ma- manipulate it any which way I want, man. So the hell exactly. with all of you guys. The hell with you. The Jaguars, man, the the headlines are just fierce right now, man. The Jags are sitting here saying that they're going to center this offense around the run game this year. I mean, is this really a surprise? I mean, you know, rookie quarterback. Yes, it is Trevor Lawrence. Yes, he's supposed to be the next coming greatest, you know, great one, uh, whatever you want to call it. But I mean, you got James Robinson, you got Travis at the end and you got Carlos Hyde. So even if. Urban Meyer feels the need to try to pass the ball, what, 20 times a game? I mean, 25 Mm -hmm. times a game. I mean, that might be a little much for Trevor at the beginning. And then uh, you're just going to run the ball. But, I mean, with that defense, really, can you really center this this team around running the ball? No, because with the defense not really improving this offseason, I mean, they're still a few years away from getting this defense back to where they they want it to be. And because of that, they're not going to be able to – they're not going to be allowed to run the ball because they're going to have to keep throwing their way back into football games. I mean, sure. Maybe you're throwing the ball to, to the running backs. They, that's a good way to get them involved. But after like the second quarter, you're probably going to be abandoning the run game for the most part. And you're going to see Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball like 40 plus times a game. Is that scary for Trevor Lawrence? Because I mean, we've seen him do it and you know what it is. We, we, me and you dove into that Ohio state game that they played and yeah, that was one of Trevor's rougher games. It was one of his rougher outings and it was uh, the offensive line was trash. I get it. It wasn't the way it was the year before in Clemson, but I mean, Jacksonville's O-line is nothing really to write home about either. So if you're telling me that Trevor Lawrence is going to be throwing 30 plus a week because they're down, I mean, good Lord, help the man because his hamstrings already injured and the thing might, his legs might just fall off because he's got no protection either, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't like it. I was just going to say, it's, I'm not worried about the arm falling off. I'm worried about, you know, him just getting hit because defenses know he's going to have to throw the ball. So those linemen, those defensive ends are just going to pin their ears back and just go after him the entire second half of football games. So, I mean, we, we could see a situation where, where Lawrence is just on his back for most of the season, you know, more so than a lady of the night. Oh, man. Whoa, whoa, man. We got some... Sorry, we're gonna we're gonna change that analogy. We could see more of like a similar David Carr situation. How about that? 
Okay, that's okay. You know, at least you're not. If offending David Carr me. was, if David Carr was a lady tonight <laughs> that took money for for favors. Yeah, interesting. You know, I can't follow that up. That was just too good. I just I have I have nothing. I, I legit have nothing. You 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 got me, man. Very well done. But speaking of rookies, who is your rookie of the year as we sit here in July? Is that a stupid question? Because uh, it got me thinking. Who who is your favorite right now? Because we're talking oh, Trevor dude. Lawrence. No, I mean, I think it's I don't even think it's a it's, it's a question. I think the award has already been given out and it's Mr. Amari Rogers from the Green Bay Packers. Thank you. See, <laughs> do you see how this works? I love it, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to say, I mean, the easy choice right here is is Trevor oh, Lawrence. Shit. OK, he's going to have to throw the ball a ton. He's going to get the yards. He's going to get the touchdowns. Interceptions be damned. OK, like we saw we saw Troy Aikman and both Peyton Manning throw record number of interceptions their rookie year. And look how they turned out. Aikman was overrated, but Peyton Manning, one of the goats. So Lawrence is the easy answer here. If the Steelers actually want to commit to the running game, I'm giving it to Najee Harris because the guy can do it all. And I think that with, with the receiving options in Pittsburgh right now, you're not going to see those eight man fronts. You're not going to see a stacked box. The, the offense is going to spread the defense out and that's going to give Harris lots and lots of lanes to run through. So for me, Najee Harris, as long as Tomlin actually can commit to a running game this year. So I love that you brought that up because I was doing some research uh, yesterday, actually on Najee and, and this Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line. And it's funny, we, we look at it and we're saying uh, Big Ben, I think it was what he's only, he only had 13 sacks last year behind that offensive line. And that's incredible. I mean, for a guy who stands in the pocket, who is almost a statue at this point of his career, he was only sacked 13 times. So that tells you not only did the offensive line do a, a damn good job protecting Big Ben, but it's also Big Ben's uh, ability to get the ball out as quick as he does i think it was like what two seconds or three seconds whatever the hell it is uh for his his release off uh when he when he gets the ball whatever it is it's one mm-hmm. of the quickest releases in the entire nfl where i'm going with this is now the 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 whole offensive line has been completely dismantled and they've rebuilt it a little bit they're lesser quality guys, but do you know how they rebuilt it to be more at run blocking? They were one of the worst, even though they protected Big Ben as well as they did. They were one of the worst offensive lines in run blocking, and they could not get the, the running backs open lanes. So that almost bodes to tell me that this was intentional to get rid of this offensive line to help the run game. And that's why they drafted Najee Harris. And this was their plan. A lot of people are going to be like, oh, Pittsburgh is stupid. They are some smart men in Pittsburgh. I'm telling you right now, because and and when you're talking about Najee committing to him being what 250 carries plus maybe what 40 receptions potentially, that's a that's a damn good rookie of the year right there. So not only was Pittsburgh one of the worst run blocking uh, offensive lines in the league last year, they were actually ranked dead last in run blocking last Mm. year for running backs. They allowed, sorry they they helped their running back uh, get the fewest. Uh, yards per touch. They had the most stuffed percentage. So uh, there's a, a site out there called football outsiders and they rank these offensive line stats. And one of the stats that they go from is it's called stuffed. So how often does a running back get stuffed at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage? And the Steelers were actually at 19%, just 2% behind the Denver Broncos and the San Francisco 49ers as far as how often their running backs were getting hit and stopped at the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. And when it came down to all the numbers, Pittsburgh was dead last in all run blocking statistics for their offensive line. 
See, see what I'm saying? And then when I yeah. saw that stat, I was like, holy crap, man, people aren't looking into this. And, and there's a reason why I get it. Okay. De Castro had injuries, Pouncey retired, but I mean, there was a method to their madness here and, and it all stems in how they're trying to do this. They realized that big Ben at the, as okay, whatever they were unbeaten until they, they played what the Washington football team. And at that point, what were they? Uh, 10 and oh, yeah, like I that? think so. Yeah. Yep. 10 and oh, 11 and oh. And then they lost that game. I, it evades me right now. But I mean, after that, that's when the Pittsburgh Steelers started to fall off because they realized they can't continue to throw with Big Ben. And the, everyone on defense understood that it was just the quick short outs, the quick short passes. They weren't even going deep anymore. But this is what I'm saying, man. You get this offensive line changed and altered to be a run team. You go back to the run game. They can actually move the ball. You institute the play action pass, which again now becomes a fear. And now you have a double tight end set now with the Muth and, and uh, Eric Ebron. Man, I, I'm seeing some pretty good stuff happening in Pittsburgh if they, and I think they will go this way. I completely agree. So, is who is, I know you, we went on this little tangent for a minute, but who is your, your offensive rookie of the year? I don't like the question right now because I already said Amari Rogers and now I'm stuck with it. I'm, I'm stuck with this shit. You know, yeah. you know what? I mean, you got it. You got, you can't flip flop. You got to, I got to eat crow now, man. No, but you know what it is. It's I'm going to go probably with one of the quarterbacks. Um, it's either going to be Wilson. I'm, I'm, I'm liking Wilson right now for some reason, a lot and, and how they're doing it in the, in New York. I like what they got, but I mean, you know, dark horse rookie of the year. Maybe it's Jamar chase. I, I think JJ got mm. robbed last year and I think maybe they'll give it to a wide receiver this year. I'm kind of hoping they do, but I think if, if fields can start week one, I think he's got a great chance of getting rookie of the year, but he has to be, he has to be there for the full season. Agreed. And and I mean, that's why Wilson for me, he could just give by default because he's playing with it, with a decent wide receiving core that he's, he can exploit and his accuracy is just crazy. So I don't know. I like it. I like this rookie class a lot anyway, but you want to do some team talk, man. That's been fun. You want to try that again? Yeah. Yeah. Let's tell you. Okie dokie. Yeah. Okie (laughs) dokie. You drinking tonight, man. Are you drinking? No, like, no like my, my beer is my beer is empty. Okay. See, now we got the good rem now. The the clear minded rem. We don't have, you know, the guy talking about ladies on their back, right? I mean, let, let's see where this team talk goes. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, man. Let's touch on these guys because I mean they're so good and they've built so well. And I and I love it so much. So we'll start with QB. Obviously, it's Kyler Murray. You guys know this. He is the rabbit. He is just running free. They beefed up this offensive line with Winters and Hudson. I mean, right off the bat, man, everything is pointing in the direction for Kyler Murray to take yet another leap in his uh, young career to be that much more successful. And I think he will. I mean, they... You know, with this offense, it's another year with with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, the running back situation has changed a little bit, but you know, it's it's another year in a new system. And I think with Kyler Murray, I mean, there are only a couple of guys that I would probably take before him at quarterback, and that's Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I would absolutely have Kyler Murray as my number three option at quarterback because he with with fantasy quarterbacks, you want guys that give you that dual threat. You want guys that can get you points with his with their arms, you want guys that can get you points with their legs. And there aren't many out there that do it better than Mahomes, Allen, and Murray. When you talk about Lamar Jackson, yes, with the legs, not so much with the arm. So for me, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Kyler Murray. I know he's going to have his, his, his up and down games, but I love the consistency that he gives you 
for the most part on a week to week basis. And I love this offensive line, man. They finally got guys, man. It's Humphreys, Pugh, Hudson, Winters, and Beecham. This is not the offensive line of old, man. This is a line that can actually protect him and give him time when he needs to throw the ball so he doesn't feel rushed, that he doesn't feel like, and, and I mean, from year one to year two, we talked about this so many times that his progression levels were actually improving like night and day. He was, before it was one read out, you know, one, two quick read out. Now he's actually scanning the field before he's actually taken off and he's actually rolling out buying time looking downfield like the stupid uh, deandre hopkins hail mary against my bills look how long he took there man like that's what he's learning and he's doing it but i don't want to see that against my team again i'll tell you that right now this no, instead of instead of deandre hopkins it'll be like rondell moore that that just catches stop that it. ball just stop it man we well, always with the hatred you <laughs> bastard but this wide receiver room i mean aj green is added rondale moore is added you still got christian kirk it's obviously deandre hopkins andy isabella i mean you know what the thing is people are sleeping what i put out a tweet the other day uh maybe last week and it was AJ Green's ADP. He is a damn sleeper for me. What is like the 14th round right now in 12 half, P- half point PPR? I'm, I'm digging it, man. I think that he's still got lots left in the tank, and Murray's going to be able to spread the ball around. And you got two big body wide receivers. AJ Green was an all star in his time in Cincinnati. I think there's still something left in the tank, man. I'm not going to, I do not disagree with you there. I mean, you're looking at, at AJ Green, his ADP right now in 12 team leagues, he's going at the very end of the 14th round. And then you look at some of the other receivers there in Arizona. Rondell Moore is going at the end of the 18th round. Christian Kirk, who I'm I'm kind of I think that ship has sailed. You know, he's going in the 19th. But I mean, yeah, you give me AJ Green in the end of the 14th or Rondell Moore at the end of the 18th. Absolutely. I mean, those are guys that are not going to be in your starting lineup when you draft them, but those are guys you can plug and play and just hope that the chemistry, you know, happens sooner rather than later with Kyler Murray. And I mean, Larry Fitz is gone. So you got a big hole there and AJ Green is still like the savvy veteran. As long as he can stay out of the medical room, man, I love it all day long, but this running back room, Chris, I'm a little worried here because I mean, I see a lot of people talking up Edmonds and I don't know how to feel about him. I I mean, I don't dislike his game. I think he's very good, but is he a true three down back that can get you the 220 uh, carries and plus reception work? I mean, his body's got it. You can't tell me that he's not going to fall apart. No, I mean, he's somebody that I may, I'd be okay with if he was like my RB three, you know, but right now he's going like middle of the sixth round and, if he's going to be my RB2, I'm, I'm staying away. He's not somebody I want to trust to have to plug into my starting lineup on a weekly basis. He's somebody that I really want more as like a, a bi-week fill-in. Um, I'd much rather take a flyer in like the ninth round on James Conner and hope mm. that he works out more Preach. so than, than spending an earlier pick and reaching for somebody like Chase Edmonds preach that up man because i'm all on james connor's wagon this year again i mean okay the injuries aside if he can stay healthy then then all the better but i like that value excuse me for james connor that much more and i think it's going to be glorious you know we were talking about this defense quickly before we move on i mean this defense jj watt chandler jones isaiah simmons zavin collins buddha baker i mean malcolm butler uh robert alford Byron Murphy, this defense is not bad. And okay, yeah, they're going to struggle at times to, you know, stop guys from passing on them. But I mean, I didn't mark his golden. I didn't even bring up his name. And I mean, with JJ Watt there, this changes a lot, man. And I, and I think that this defense is going to give a lot of teams some headaches this year. I think so, because that was really like the Achilles heel for them last year was the defense and how, you know, they just, they couldn't stop, especially like in the secondary, they had so many issues 
And I think Malcolm Butler is not a true number one cornerback. I do sure. think that he will. I think he'll be fine though, because he does have somebody like a Buddha Baker back there as a safety. And that's where Malcolm Butler really starts to benefit is when he has a solid, you know, group behind him. So I think he'll be okay there. I love the addition of JJ Watt, you know, having him rushing the passer with Chandler Jones, you have Isaiah Simmons, of course, who it's kind of like that Swiss army knife, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of a guy that can do safety. He can play linebacker. He can rush the passer. Um, he reminds me a lot of like a Jabril Peppers, you know, from the giants. So mm. he is that guy that can do a lot of everything. And then of course, Marcus golden, who also formerly of the giants you have on the outside as well. So those are guys who can rush the passer. They can play in coverage. They're super athletic. And so this is a defense that isn't going to be changed overnight. Don't get me wrong there, but I do like what Vance Joseph can do with this defense. And that's the thing. I think they're going to mask a lot of their inadequacy in the secondary with this pass rush. And I think, you know, they lost Chandler Jones last year to injury. Now he comes back. He's with JJ Watt. I, I mean, Zayvon Collins can rush the passer extremely well. Like you said, Simmons yep. can rush very well. So they're going to have a lot of schemes, man. And I mean, I like this team. I really do. I think they're going to challenge a lot of people in this division that is very stout and very strong. I, I would not be surprised if they finish number two, at least, if not challenging for the top spot. No, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, Seattle is going to have their struggles. The Niners are certainly going to, going to be having their struggles. So, yeah, I think that this this division could be, you know, it's, it's an open competition right now, especially with the Niners running the ball 500 times like Jesus. That's it. Yeah. That's Jimmy it. G's legs are going to get tired, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> Jimmy G is going to be Lamar Jackson this year because they're going to run 500 times. Let's close this one out, baby, on uh, Dynasty Games. Let's do this one. And you know what? This is big boy games. This is what I'm calling Ooh. this one because I, I, I started looking and we don't do the big boys enough. And I, and I really want to see. Yeah, you know, we always go kind of with the lesser value to see where the values are at. But let's dive right in. It's only running backs and wide receivers to close this out. And it's Kamara or Zeke. Um, I'm, I'm going Kamara still. Um, you know, I know that with, with Kamara, the quarterback situation is a little bit up in the air. I like the consistency a lot more with Kamara because no matter who his quarterback is, he's still going to be able to produce when Zeke doesn't have Dak, Dak Prescott. He just, he, he turns into a shell and he just becomes a former person of who he was. So I don't trust Zeke in case there's ever an injury at the quarterback position. And I totally agree, but I'm so terrified with the quarterback situation in new Orleans. And, and I don't even know how they're going to rectify this because I don't even believe the guys on the roster right now. I really don't. I'm going to go with Zeke. That's surprising to me right now. I'm still going to go with Zeke right now. Really? Really? All right. Crazy. Crazy. I know. Barkley or Dalvin? Oh, um, I'm still going. I'm, go, I'm going Barkley. And it's close Ooh. because I have them. I have them back to back. I've got Barkley him. and then Cook, but I'm, I'm going Barkley. I do believe that he can come back from this injury and show that he is a top tier running back in this league. See, and Cook, we talk, I need to see a little bit more consistency from him. And, and the thing is, is that we talk about injuries, right? I mean, Cook, yeah, okay, fine. He's come back and he's missed only a handful of games since that knee injury. But I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with Barkley. I just, I can't get yeah. off the wagon yet, man. I really can't, even though Dalvin. I can't, I can't quit him. I can't quit him either. Even though Dalvin might lead the league in rushing again this year. I mean, I cannot. I think, I so think I, it, longevity, I think, is where I'm going yeah. with that. It's funny because I have Dalvin ranked right now as my RB2 in redraft, but I have Barkley ahead of him in my dynasty rankings. Funny how that works, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chubb or JT? Oh, JT. 
No, JT you're not. And, oh, you oh, are you, not. You, you're damn right. I'm going JT. You son of a beep. I mean, I got it. I'm in, I'm in the in sync division in Scott Fishbowl, and I'm going with JT Bay Bay. Look at this guy, man. Look at this guy. You know, it's funny because I can't hate it because I'm such a huge supporter on both of them. It sucks. I hate this question. I hope I never have to deal with this problem. Like I, I legit <laughs> hope that this never comes up for me, that I can keep them both, whatever league I have them in. But I mean, it's tough. I mean, maybe I'm just going to say it right now. I'm going to go chub. I'm screw the screw you, man. Even though I love JT screw you Ram. Dude, JT JT is my RB two in dynasty. Wow. He's, he's behind CMC right now for me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe you convinced me. I'll, I'll switch that to JT. Tyreek or Stefan Diggs? Oh, you are not going to I like am. this answer. This is big boy shit, man. Let's go. I know. So they, I have them back to back in my rankings. It goes Hill at wide receiver six and Diggs at wide receiver seven. And you're disrespecting Diggs at seven. Look at you, man. You know why? And because it's because of how you and I rank our players. I put more emphasis on, on youth, even though they're both the same, the same age. But that's why I have them lower, like outside of my top five because of the age. So then tell me why Diggs is not above Tyreek Hill right now. Like, what is your problem? Oh, because I think Hill's Hill's a better wide receiver than than Diggs. You're a a bastard, man. We're not friends anymore. (laughs) I I just can't handle it anymore. I'm taking Diggs, man. You know, to hell with you, you son of a bitch. Of course you're taking Diggs. (laughs) No, this is straight up. This is evaluation. No bias, man. It's Diggs, man. Diggs over Tyreek, man. There's no question. It's Hill. Tell you're wrong. He's wrong. Do not listen to him. Ridley or Metcalf? Oh, Metcalf. Yeah, me too. It's funny though because he's Ridley's been rising up people's dynasty boards, and I'm like, man, you guys are getting a little ambitious with this ranking, man. I don't know if I can believe that. Yeah, like I don't get me wrong. I love Ridley. Um, I think he's in my he's I think he's in my top ten for receivers right now. But Metcalf is like top four, top five for me. Yeah, it's no question to me either. Allen Robinson or Amari Cooper. Um, I'm going, I'm still going to Mari Cooper. No, you're not. Stop yeah. it. I don't yeah, like I you today, man. No, this is and, not good. And I know that it's, it's a crowded room there in Dallas. I, I completely understand that. Um, I just, I trust that offense a lot more than I do in Chicago right now. Even for dynasty purposes. Cause Amari Even might for be dynasty a, purposes. Cause he might be Alan gone Robinson, next year. Well, that's the thing. And where does he go? You know, like, and, no, and Amari Cooper, thing, I was saying with Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper could be gone as well. I'm going to take the talent of Cooper over Allen Robinson. There right is now. no talent for Cooper over Amari or uh, over Allen Robinson. Are you crazy right now? According to me, Amari call Cooper the police. Is, Amari Cooper's over Allen Robinson. Call the police. Yeah. We're going to have to yep. arrest this man because he is going crazy. Mother, you know, <laughs> Allen Robinson for me. And it's not even close. Godwin or Terry McLaurin. Um, I'm going McLaurin. Yes, you are. Thank you. Yep. Now we're finally back, friends, again. I like yep. that. Way to end <laughs> um, the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, with McLaurin, regardless of who his quarterback situation is going forward, yet, but yeah, now he has Fitzpatrick. Um, Godwin, I like it. The, his concentration and the drops are a little bit of a concern for me. And I just love the overall play style of Terry McLaurin, which is why I have him a couple spots higher than where I have Chris Godwin. 
Yeah, and I mean, for me, Godwin, even if he goes to another team, do we believe he is the alpha? I mean, that's kind of where I I'm think at. he's like another juju. Exactly. You know? That's where that's where I'm at. I don't see the alpha yeah. in him right now. And I mean, Terry, yeah, he's not the big body guy, but he's he's seeming like he's a freaking alpha to me, man. He so, com- he commands the football. Yes, he does. And the ball just yeah. finds him and I love it all day long. But I mean, that is Dynasty Games big boy shit, baby. That's what we do. And I mean, that was a good one, man. I like those. Those are those are tougher decisions than like some of the some of the the lesser known guys because it's like oh well yeah I have this guy over this guy but the big boys you got them so much more closely ranked it's like pull it's almost like just like splitting hairs it is <laughs> it is even though we argue it's ex- so- ex- except for except for when it comes to Amari Cooper and Alan Robinson there's just, just it's not even close it is close man it's not close <laughs> because Cooper sucks man get him out of here Allen Robinson is, is the target stupid. Why'd you have to bring it up? See, we were good before we left, and now you got to bring it up. And there's a sour note to end the show. You, uh, you know what, man? Yeah, Dynasty no. games, Dynasty games. See, and all's good again. All we have to do is just sing a song, and everything's fine. It's like bad boys, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man. So before we get out of here, Jake has an important message for everyone. So listen up right now. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now and it's 100% free. So head over to fantracks.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.